Just got off the phone with my brother Lou Will. It's crazy we share the same B-Day. That's my dog. You are locked on fantasy basketball. Your daily fantasy basketball podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello and welcome to the Locked On Fantasy Basketball Podcast brought to you by Basketball Monster. My name is Josh Lloyd and I am the lead fantasy analyst at BasketballMonster.com and at Yahoo Sports Australia. And you can find me on Twitter as always at RedRock underscore Beeble and on Instagram at Locked On Fantasy Basketball. Today we are recapping the action from Sunday's games, talking about some injury news as well, looking at some guys you might want to pick up off the waiver wire and then previewing a massive 11 game day in the NBA for Monday. Michael Bowles. Let's get to it. Let's get to it indeed. I have done a week two preview show already, so that's in your podcast feed. You'll see that from earlier on today. It's on the YouTube channel as well, so you can go check that out about 12 or 13 minutes, just covering week two guys to add, ways to stream, uh, games played, all that sort of stuff. So check that show out over there. What we are doing now is looking at the games from Sunday. The first one of those games, of course, was an absolute ass-kicking. The Golden State Warriors got their ass handed to them by the Oklahoma City Thunder, 120-92. to This game was over basically in the first half. We had D'Angelo Russell ejected after playing just 22 minutes. It has not been a smooth start to the season for Russell. He... Um, Look, this team needs, obviously, rotation-caliber players. He's a rotation-caliber player. You can argue whether he's a max player. He probably isn't. Whether he is a star player, he probably isn't that either. But he is going to be better than what we saw today. This team just needs players. And those 22 minutes would have been a lot higher had he not been ejected. Six points and two assists for Russell in that time. It might be an interesting buy-low type of situation. You do have to yeah, be careful of the poor percentages he's put up some, so far. Some of that is trying to fit into this team, no doubt. But the shots and the minutes I don't really think are going away anywhere with D'Angelo Russell. So a bit of a buy-low. Steph had 23-8-5 in his 30 minutes. Not what you're expecting as a top five pick. I think people who are expecting him to be back to 15, 16, Steph Curry are going to be disappointed. I still thought that he was a top five guy and someone you should probably look at, probably at that pick five. I think that's where I settled on having Curry. He hasn't been at that level yet. The shooting wasn't there, just 22% from three. Of course, we know that'll get better with Curry. Marquise Chris was starting, and it was good old Marquise Chris. A lot of fouls early, some dumb decisions. But in the end, he salvaged a decent line, 10-4-3 with four steals. And with Kavon Looney dealing with a hamstring issue, and I think that you feel should feel okay about dropping Looney in 10-team leagues and probably in 12s. It's not just a hamstring strain. It's a nerve issue that's been plaguing him for a few years. We don't know when he's going to be returning. And for a guy whose upside is maybe top 100, that's probably his best-case scenario, who's dealing with what looks like a chronic nerve issue in a leg. We know what chronic nerve issues in legs can look like with Kawhi Leonard. Um, yeah, Those low upside guys with limited certainty about how their role looks, it is hard to hold on to him. Chris is probably more of a 14-team streamer, as is the wizard Amari Spellman, who put up a really strong line here. And Spellman looked pretty good. 9-8 and eight with two steals and three blocks. You can't trust it. You can't rely upon it. But if you're looking for a short-term center solution, yeah, you'd prioritize someone like a Tristan Thompson over him. But Spellman looked okay here, but this could be very easily a, a timeshare. The other guy in that mix is Eric Pascal, 10 points in 24 minutes. Um, it is really hard to get a, a full read on this Warriors rotation, given how much of a blowout this was. Glennie Robinson, the little dog, three points in his 21 minutes, or Draymond Green, 10-5-2 and two in 24 Again, the, the limited minutes in this one, he's dealing with that issue in his elbow uh, that, he, that he suffered in the last game. It hasn't been a great start for Draymond. He was never, I didn't think, get back, get being, uh, I'm try again, never thought he was going to get back to being that top 20 type player that he was a few years ago. He, he will need to be better than what he is currently. Jordy Poole uh, loves a shot, one of nine from the field, and uh, maybe is just a three-point streamer in deeper formats. For the Thunder, a huge night from Dennis Schroeder in only 25 minutes. 22 points for Schroeder, 8 points, 6 assists, and 4 steals. Now, he had struggled with his efficiency, but he was 69% from the field. Giggity! In this one, uh, look, it's a balancing act. He's never going to be that good of a shooter. You, you, you err on the side of a 40% shooter rather than a 69% shooter. 
there is some value for those 14-team formats for Schroeder, and he was a perfect stream guy for today, but that's really about it. This was Shea Gildress-Alexander's worst game. He still had 19-9-4 with two blocks in 30 minutes. They are giving him all of the possessions. He is doing so much, and he looks fantastic. And yeah, Kyle's projection of him maybe being a top 30 player, that could be spot on. The Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari. Hands off my cock! 21 points in 22 minutes, 7 of 7 from the line. No real other peripheral numbers. The four threes and the one block is nice. One rebound and zero assists is poor, but he has looked really good to start this season. Well, this was Terry Ferguson's best game as well. 13 points with three threes for Fergo. Uh, again, just a deeper league type guy. Disappointing from Chris Paul. Only 19 minutes, 10 points and two assists. But it's not just that the minutes were down. It was a blowout. There's no need to risk putting him out there. It's the fact that his usage and his assist rate is just so far down. Again, in that sort of a situation where someone is so underperforming, selling him off, like you're selling at a, a real low point in his value, and you could very easily see it going back up. But I'm having significant doubts of that assist rate and the usage jumping back up to the levels that we thought it could get to, with so much being run through Gildas Alexander being really, the him and Gallinari, the focal points of the offense versus Chris Paul. So I think we should recalibrate our expectations. The injury risk is still there with Paul. Um, but this is not, you can't sell him at this sort of a level. Steve Adams, I think he's going to be the worst free throw percentage impact guy in the league. Missed both of them today. 25 minutes, 8 and 9. He is also not really seeing too much of a usage boost with Westbrook and George on new teams. The rebounding is improved from Adams, so that's encouraging. Again, but it is hard to fully gauge what's happening with this Thunder team from this game. Just given uh, given how strong this uh, or how strong this victory was, and minutes were limited right across the board. Good to see Nerlens Noel getting there for two blocks in 15 minutes, but of course his playing time extended due to the uh, the blowout nature of this contest. Game two for Sunday was a real thriller. The Nets going down to the Grizzlies at home in overtime, 133-134. Let's look at the Brooklyn side of things first off. Kyrie Irving has been fantastic. I really did like him early on in the draft process at that pick eight zone. I pushed him down to about 10 or 11 once. I felt a bit more confident with Kawhi and Embiid, but he has been ridiculous. 37-7-7, five triples, two steals, and a block. The efficiency wasn't there, but the most encouraging thing for Kyrie here is getting to the line 11 times. He's an excellent free throw shooter. He just doesn't get there that often, but this was a really encouraging sign. He is averaging 38 points a game so far this season, killing it, as is Karis LeVert. Of course, LeVert's free throws are a problem. Only 67%, but 27, 4, and 5. And 39 minutes for Levert, 34 for Kyrie. Really encouraging numbers. Jared Allen, unfortunately, came off the bench, but in the end, it didn't matter. 27 minutes for him, 23 for DeAndre. A double-double for Jarrett, 14 and 13, and hit all four of his free throws. If I'm having one of these net centers on my roster... Allen is the guy over Jordan. It's going to be roller coaster type situations and timeshares, but I think you know 67% of the time, that's a number that was pulled out of my ass, it will be Allen who's the majority, the value guy. Spencer Dinwiddie struggled in the opener, but 16 points with eight assists here. 23% shooting is horrible, but the fact that the minutes are back up is encouraging. While the artist formerly known as Torian Prince, he looks like the Atlanta Torian Prince again. Red hot in preseason. 12-6-2 here. That is fine. It's not exciting. He still is a 12-team league guy, but obviously those numbers that he put up in the preseason were unlikely to stick. For the Grizzlies, Jonas Valanciunas was a, or he is on a minutes limit, so only 20 minutes here, but Jesus, 16-11-4, three threes, a steal, and two blocks. He looked like the best player on this team at times before he sat down and Ja Morant took over. Uh, you'd think that his value is going to go up from here, Valanciunas. Triple J, Jaron Jackson Jr. fouled out in only 24 minutes. It was weird. He started out red hot, and they just didn't feature him at all on offense. 12 and 6 with two blocks. I don't think he should be too discouraged, but it's not a great line. Well, Morant, let's talk about him. 30 points, 9 assists, 1 steal and a block. 59% shooting, 39% usage. Those numbers are huge. A big block of Kyrie down the stretch as well. There'll be some rough nights, and his first two games were nowhere near this. But Morant, I think, is going to be a top 50 player once we get to the fantasy playoffs in February and March. Jay Crowder hit the uh, game-winning three. It was his uh, fourth, fifth, and sixth point of the night. He didn't do much. But again, seven rebounds, five assists, one steal, two blocks. Nice peripheral numbers. Huge minutes for Crowder. Probably more of a 14-team league guy. Dylan Brooksy Brooks had 21 points. This is as, as Brooks of a line as you can get. 21 points in 38 minutes. 60% shooting. No other numbers. Um... 
His big nights come when he has good shooting, and then nothing else really happens on those other nights. So Brooks is more of a, a guy we leave alone. Brandon Clark had 10 and 7 with a steal and a block, continually provides production. Is it enough to hold him in a 12-team league? He's going to get that. How they run things when Valanciunas' minutes go back up is going to be interesting to see with Clark and how his playing time shakes out. We know that he can produce. If he gets 25 a night, he will put up numbers. But when Valanciunas is playing 26 a night and Jackson's playing 30, how much are they going to use Clark? You would think he'd still get 20 a night, and that can still be useful, but limited upside-wise in a 12-team format. Tyus Jones had five assists and two steals, but one of 10 shooting. Hampered his night. 14-teamers, love it. 12-teamers, you can stream him for that assists and steals sort of production. The uh, the next game up for us to take a squiz at, we're looking at the Blazers and the Mavericks. Portland get the victory, 121-119. CJ McCollum, who'd struggled in the early games, was fantastic. 41 minutes for Siege, 35 points, 6 rebounds, 4 assists and 2 steals. A perfect 8 of 8 from the line and 50% shooting on 26 field goal attempts is also really strong for McCollum. When he has a night like this, it's fantastic, but... Too many times the percentages haven't been there and the peripherals aren't there as well, which probably leaves him outside the top 50. A good night from Rocket Rodney Hood as well. 20 points in 32 minutes on 67% shooting. Two steals and a block is a bonus from Hood also. He is fine as a points type ad, but I wouldn't be looking at him as a must roster guy. While Lillard had 28, 3 and 5, a triple one. Good numbers all around. Whiteside, he fouled out in 26 minutes. Still had the 14 boards, still had a block. He hasn't really you know, got to that 30-minute mark yet. So Some of that's been foul trouble. Some of that's been play, being played off the court in certain situations. But the numbers are still impressive. While the news, I guess, on Zach Collins is better than we anticipated. He has a dislocated shoulder. He won't play on Monday. But he does, doesn't think it's going to be a long-term thing. It slid back in fine, they said. So minimal ligament damage. You'd assume he misses a week. Maybe more, but I don't think it's going to be a six or eight week injury. We're still awaiting diagnosis on Collins. His value and his upside is relatively limited. So if you did, if we hear that he's out for four weeks, he probably is a drop. The guy who's going to benefit most likely is going to be uh, Mario Hazonia. It's me, Mario. Hazonia in this game played 25 minutes. He had four and eight with a steal and a block. Remember the times when he filled in for Aaron Gordon in Orlando as a starting power forward? He was like a top 50 fantasy guy. Now, I'm not saying he's going to be that important because I don't think he will be. But he can rebound. He can pass. He can get steals at a high rate. He can hit threes occasionally. He's an interesting guy in any 16-teamers. I'd be looking to add him 14s, probably. 12, maybe. Depend who else is on the wire. But some strong numbers there. While the 20-teamers, you look at Scal Labissiere. 30 minutes for Kent Bazemore. They did play some small ball. Push Rocket Rodney up to the four. Bazemore could also be a 14-team ad, especially if you're looking for defensive numbers with Zach Collins missing time while Anthony Simons. It's been a real roller coaster with his production, just three points in 15 minutes. And I think we should feel pretty good about leaving him as a deeper league guy. The next team, or the next team in this game, is uh, the, the Luka, Luka Doncic's, the Dallas Mavericks. Doncic, again, almost a triple-double in back-to-back games. 29, 12, and 9 with three steals for Donch. And he's hitting his free throws. 79%, 11 of 14, gets to the line, hits the free throws. That's really what was holding him back from being a top 20-ish sort of guy. The field goal percentage took a hit, just 36% in this one, but he's been awesome. And my man, Porzingis. Porzingis. 32-9 and nine with three triples and two blocks. 48% shooting. Un- unlucky, though, I guess, on the free throw. 7 of 10. He's a better free throw shooter there. But he could end up being a real steal. And the most encouraging thing with Chris Dapps here is 34 minutes. So many were fearful of load management for Porzingis, and maybe it still comes. The only bloke that's getting load managed at the moment is Otto Porter, which is a, a curious thing. Uh, Porzingis w- was great here. No Dwight Powell, so Maxi Kleber started again. 14 and 6 in 25 minutes. Probably his best performance, but not really a 12-team league guy. While DeLon Wright went back into the starting lineup. He was benched over the weekend. was excellent. Starting lineup again. Minutes down. 8, 2, and 5 is okay. It's not why we drafted DeLon. We drafted him to get 1.5 to 2 steals a game and had none here. But the 5 assists are nice. The 2 threes are nice. He probably is a 12-team league guy. Like over, using this game as an example, over a Hood or over a Bazemore or over Hazonia. DeLon's that guy. Dorian Finney-Smith played quite a few minutes. And Courtney Lee, who'd been starting the last couple of games, off onto the bench and out of the rotation. No surprise, should never have been in the rotation to begin with. And this happens so often. A coach decides they're going to be all tricky and fancy and start someone who has no business being in a game. They start them. They realize after a couple of games, oh my God, I'm stupid. Not that Rick Carlisle's stupid, of course. He's a really good coach. But Lee goes from starting to out of the rotation. No surprise there at all. Timmy Hardaway, 
11 points for him in 22 minutes. Tim Hardaway is not really a uh, standard league fantasy option. The next game, we take a look at the Miami Heat and the Minnesota Timberwolves. The Heat had this one in the last quarter, and the Timberwolves went crazy thanks to Andrew Wiggins, of all people. The Wolves get the win, 116-109. They are 3-0 to start the season. For the Heat, I literally have had multiple people ask me if they should drop Justice Winslow. God, no. In no circumstance should you be dropping him. 43 minutes, 20 points, 8 rebounds, 6 assists, 1 steal, 2 blocks, and hit both of his free throws. He's available in 25% of Yahoo leagues for God knows what reason. Go and add Justice Winslow. And you know what? Kendrick Nunn. I don't know what to make of this from Nunn. 40 minutes, 25 points. He had 18 first half points, so did cool off. Five triples, two steals, um, 53% shooting. Now, I think the shooting is going to come down. I think the minutes are going to come down. I think the usage is going to come down somewhat when Jimmy Butler returns, which might be on Monday. But he's just been putting up really strong numbers. You can't leave him on the bench. And if I had to choose between Nunn and the future MVP 2.0 Tyler Hero, I think I would take Nunn. Nunn is going to remain in the starting lineup. Um, but it's just not going to be possible, I don't think, for him to be a 20-point-per-game scorer on this level of efficiency when Butler returns. So the steals have been really strong, and he was a strong steals guy in college as well, strong steals in summer league. That's encouraging, but I think we might see a bit of a drop-off. It's going to be really curious to see how he functions with Butler. 13-9-5 for Bam Bam Adebayo. Bam, 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 bam. He's doing his Al Horford impression. Two steals, three blocks, great production across the board, and the one of five free throws is disappointing, but still, um, he's been, been good. And deep leagues, Chris Silver, really killing it at the moment. Two blocks in 11 minutes. He's a very deep league steal or stream guy for blocks, but when everyone comes back, like Derek Jones and Butler and James Johnson and Dion Waiters, maybe, where is Silver's role? He is a two-way guy, but at least he's a name to watch out for. The future MVP 2.0 hero played 35 minutes, 8, 5, and 4. That uh, preseason hype, uh, we haven't heard much of it recently. I don't think that he is a must-hold 12-team league guy. I'd be okay moving on while the iron shoulder, Goran Dragic, had 13-5 and 4. Strong enough to be a 12-team league player. With Derek Jones Jr. out, interestingly, Myers Leonard and Kelly Linick only combined for 27 minutes. Um, yeah, Linick is more of a 14-team league guy. He'd outplayed Leonard in both of the first two games. Not so here. Not really guys that you want to rely upon in those 12-team uh, formats, of course. For the Wolves, it had been a slow start for Jeff Teague. My name is Jeff. But he was great here. The eight assists is what I'm most focused on. 21 points on 63% shooting is nice, but that's not replicable. The eight assists are, so that's really strong from Teague. And if he was dropped, he's a must-add. Carl Anthony Towns' percentages were poor. 38 from the field and 50 from the line, but 23-11-4 with two steals and a block. Like Shea Gildas-Alexander, if this is him disappointing, then, uh, then I'm okay with it. Andy Wiggins as well. Now, Wiggins was great down the stretch. I think he had like a personal 11-0 run or something along those lines down the stretch. 25 points, 4 threes, 6 rebounds. But from fantasy, that lacks because no assists, no steals, no blocks, only 75% from the line. At least he was 50% from the field. And he should be rostered in all leagues. Much better value in a points league because that scoring is so hard to find in a, in a category league. It is hard to find that scoring. But even when a night when he has a great line, it's not a very, it's not a fantastic fantasy performance. It's okay, but it's not fantastic. Bob Covington, only 28 minutes for Cove, 11 and 10. I am not dropping Covington anywhere. I, I do think that maybe the knee is bothering him a bit. We still haven't got that real explosion in terms of the defensive numbers that he gets. He shot poorly here, but I am not letting him go to the wave wire. Now, in points league, it's a different story because he's nowhere near as effective in a points league as he is in a categories league. And I can understand if you wanted to move on in like a 10-team points league format. I understand that. In a category league, there is no situation that I'm dropping Covington. Well, Jarrett Culver had two points in 13 minutes. He is a long way down the rotation behind Trevion Graham, behind Jake Lehman, behind Josh Kogi, behind Shabazz Napier, behind Jeff Teague, behind Andrew Wiggins. It's a long path for him to get into contention, and I don't think holding for three months, waiting for him to maybe be a top 100 player is a solid uh, move. Uh, look, he could easily overtake Graham. He could overtake Lehman, but they just don't want to use him at small forward. They are using Graham and Lehman almost exclusively there. Okogi's been fantastic. Another two steals for Josh here, but they're just not enough minutes to be a regular contributor for a 12-team format. But if you're looking for those steals, Joshy can be uh, an interesting stream type guy. He's playing really, really well, as is Napier for deeper leagues, who looks to have that backup point guard spot, which we thought Culver might be able to take. Napier has absolutely got that position and is making that his own at the moment. 
All right, so we go on to the last game of the night. The Charlotte Hornets go down to the Lakers, 101-120. Cody Zeller was huge for the Hornets. 29 minutes, 19 and 14 with three steals and three blocks. Now, obviously, those defensive numbers aren't going to keep up, but he's looked so much better this season. He did have to leave the game in this one with a cut on his eye, return to the game. His minutes are up. I don't know why Borrego wouldn't trust him last season. Maybe it was just a factor of the knee that they just didn't want to push him, and he's healthy now. He is providing value that is worthwhile in 12-team leagues, so he is a a name to consider. Uh, Those defensive numbers, again, they won't stick, but everything else he's doing looks uh, pretty solid. A great night for people who have Terry Rozier. He'd struggled in the first two games. It's not his best performance, but 19-6-4, 32 minutes, 43% 43% shooting and a perfect 4 of 4 from the line. This is why we drafted Terry Rozier. The minutes were there. He got into some early foul trouble, but pushed through it and was able to get those numbers that we hoped he'd be able to do on a regular basis. So that's really encouraging. Some people did drop him. I've got no idea why. He's still available in 9% of leagues on Yahoo. He is a must-add player right across the board. Of course, the guy who was playing well in spite of Rozier was Devontae Graham. Now, he's still got 28 minutes here. They played together because Malik Monk has been absolute trash. Graham had nine points with five assists. Now, he was a horrible one of 13 shooting, but he was a perfect six of six from the line. We talked about how his three-point shooting, it was really bad last year, and it wasn't going to sustain at this insane level. But still, he can be a 12-team league guy if he's getting 27 a night, getting solid scoring, getting those assists, hitting some threes. There's enough there, but that sort of shooting was never going to stick. And I don't, as much as I think he probably is a better player than Rogier, I just don't think he's going to be taking the bulk of the minutes off Terry. And this is a more realistic type of rotation from the Hornets. Miles Bridges led the team in scoring, 23-6-3. No defensive numbers, but these are the sort of numbers, again, we hoped from Bridges when we took him in that 70-80 to 80 range. After a slow first night, he's bounced back pretty strongly in the next two. While PJ Washington, again, don't get overhyped in these rookies. He was never going to do what he did against the Bulls. The triple one is still good. The 36 minutes is still fantastic. Eight and six. He is still a must-roster 12-team league player. The Baconator, 15 and six on poor efficiency. This is who Dwayne Bacon is. If you don't expect much more, you'll be pleasantly surprised when he occasionally gives you more than that. Bill Hernan Gomez, Bismack Biombo, Malik Monk, these guys who we thought, yeah, there's maybe paths to roles, especially Hernan Gomez and Monk. That's not happening. They're not 12-team league guys pretty clearly. For the Lakers, let's start with Davis, who had 29 and 14 with a steal and three blocks. Now, he did leave the game early. It was a blowout, but he did go to the locker room, and someone did report that maybe there was a shoulder issue. I'm not 100% buying that. I want to hear some more definite, uh, definitive reports on that shoulder, but he was fantastic in the minutes he played. LeBron had 26 and 12 and was a perfect 5 of 5 from the line, but I guess the big story from the Lakers is Dwight Howard. 23 minutes for Dwight, 16 and 10 with four blocks, a perfect 8 of 8 from the field, and of course, he missed both of his free throws. Now, I do think that it's leaning more towards Dwight is going to take this role off JaVale McGee. Vogel didn't come out and outright say it, but the way that he passed his words would make me think that's the direction he is leaning. And now, Dwight Howard is an option to add in 12-team formats, but we have to stress this part of it, is that while he can provide positives in field goals and rebounds, you have to watch what he does in free throws, because if he starts playing 26 a night, that negative impact he has in free throw percentage could offset all of the good he does in those other categories. So just really pay attention to your team. Maybe grab him, keep him on the bench, see if you can get offers for him, see what happens. But just be aware that some of those negative impact free throw percentage that he has could be an issue. Uh, Kentavious Caldwell-Pope struggled. Avery, Avery Bradley struggled again. They, these aren't guys who should be anywhere near 12 or even 14 team leagues. Last game for the Lakers, it was Troy Daniels. This game, it was Quinn Cook who went well. 12 points with 8 assists. Uh, Alex Caruso looked pretty solid out on the floor. This guard rotation between Bradley, between Cook and KCP and Caruso, Daniels, and then you've got to throw Rondo into the mix at some point. It's going to make pretty much none of them rosterable full-time in 12 team leagues. It looks like it's just going to be a lot of back and forwards. I feel okay about dropping Javon. McGee, just with the way things are going, he's not as engaged as he has been in the past, which is not a great thing when JaVale is not concentrating, you're not going to get optimal performance out of him. So he's probably a guy that if, if Cody Zeller's available, if Dwight's available, you're know, making that switch, I think he's okay with how the way, the way that things are happening with the Lakers uh, so far this season. Let's just have a look at some injury update news as well before we move on. Um, Zach Collins, again, as I mentioned, dislocated that shoulder out for Monday. Uh, I don't know exactly how long he's going to be out. They are thinking it's relatively positive. I'd imagine a couple of games absence for Collins. 
Dennis Smith Jr. has a death in his family, so he is going to miss Monday's game, and it's undetermined as to when he returns. I think we can rule him out for this week would be my guess. He's not a guy that's anywhere near 12-team league value anyway. And then the Muppet John Henson has suffered a hamstring injury that's going to keep him out two to four weeks. I think it's probably closer to four weeks. That's going to increase the value of someone like Larry Nance because Ante Zizic is also out, so there is no other center. So it's going to be Thompson, Love, and Nance playing nearly all of those minutes. They may have been able to throw Dylan Windler in there at the four, pushing Love more to the five, but he's also injured. So you're going to get more value for Nance, who's been a little bit squeezed in the rotation, but this Henson injury probably gives him a little bit of a second lifeline for 12-team format. So they're the major injury news issues that we've had across the NBA in the last couple of days. All right, it's a busy day on Monday in the NBA with 11 games on. We're going to be focusing on DraftKings pricing today. The Bulls uh, travel to the Knicks. Um, the Bulls are favored by one at the moment. The total, 224. Chicago has been really disappointing. Of course, the Knicks winless as well. One of these teams have to do something good, or maybe they don't. In this game, injury-wise, um, Mitchell Robinson's listed as probable, as is Wendell Carter Jr. And, of course, Otto Porter, he of that uh, load management, minutes restriction, whatever bullshit's going on. With the Bulls over there, Dennis Smith Jr. won't be playing for the Knicks. He's had a death in his family, of course. Our condolences go out to him as he deals with this. It looks like he'll be missing a few games there. Nothing concrete at this point, but his role was so limited anyway, he's not going to have too much of an impact for fantasy teams, him not being there. Let's have a look at uh, the DraftKings pricing here. I really like RJ Barrett, who's listed as a point guard over on DraftKings, 6,100. He is giving us 30 a night pretty comfortably. I like him for cash. I like him for tournaments. Alonzo Trier, he is better than Luka Doncic, but I don't know if he's a guy that you should be looking at in your DFS lineups. He is quite up and down. That, I guess, would lean him more towards tournaments if you're going to do anything, but I'm not super interested in him. He does look to probably benefit a little bit from Smith's absence because we know that uh, David Fisdale hates Frank Nilakina. Zachy Levine's at 7,700 has been not great this season. He's had some big games, sure. He had a 60-pointer in game two, but his on-court play hasn't really been that fantastic. This is a good matchup for Levine, so I, I think it's worth looking at, as is Kobe White at 5,000. He is um, yeah, forcing his way into more minutes. He had, uh, or He's averaging almost 30 points across the first three games. He is worth... Worth looking at here. I don't feel super confident in him as a must-roster roster guy, but there is something there. Sadoransky and Kristan, they're a little bit hard to get behind. Same with Archer Giacchino and Frank Nilakina. Alfred Payton, for some, who knows why he would possibly be listed as a shooting guard on DraftKings, but there we are. 5,100 for Alfred. I think that that is a really solid base type of a play. So I like him as a, as a cash type of a guy. And then we go to some small forward players. Otto Porter's at 52. Impossible to trust him. Kevin Knox, the Fort's at 36. I actually like that as a GPP guy. He's been getting more minutes consistently. Morris has been dropping off a little bit. He's hard to rely upon, Noxie, but at that price, hey, have a look at it. While Morris himself at 53, limited upside, so not really a tournament guy. Not bad for cash. He should be able to get to that low price point type of level. Thad Young's at 44. There are better ways to spend that money. And then for the big man, Julius Randle's at 8,300. That is a lot for Randle. Um, I don't completely dislike it, but I'm not locked in on him there. While Lowry Markinen at 77 has really struggled to hit his shots the last two games. This should be a decent matchup for Lowry, and the price has come down 4,000, so that puts him into calculations. Wendell Carter's at 6,000. Hard to trust him with the foul trouble. While Mitchie Robinson, same thing. 5,600 for Mitch. Really just a GPP guy. It is a good matchup for Mitch, and if he can stay on the court for 30 minutes, he'll smash through that. But of course, he could foul out in 15 minutes, and then there is absolutely no value in a bloke sitting on his ass on the bench. I don't think you'd want to put Robinson and Punch Bob Portis into the same lineup, but if you want to differentiate that way, they're priced fairly similarly because if Robinson gets in foul trouble, then Portis, theoretically, should get more minutes. He's at 5,400, Bobby. He had 24 in the last game, which is not bad at that salary. Not the best play, but you can sort of uh, yeah, switch it up between those two guys in your lineups. The next game that we take a squiz at, the Pacers and the Pistons. Um, they've played already this year once, and the, the Pistons got that victory. This is in Detroit. The Pacers f uh, are favored by two. The total is 213.5. Jeremy Lamb is questionable for Indiana. Reggie Jackson is doubtful, so Tim Frazier will get the start, and Blake Griffin is out. Actually, Tim Frazier may not get the start. There has been some whispers that maybe Luke Kennard moves into the starting lineup. That could also be in place of Bruce Brown, but Kennard, regardless of if he starts or not, he's going to have a, a pretty strong role here. Frazier's at 3,500. 
Yeah, if he does get that start, I do like it. I think there is some value in him. Derek Rose at 5,400, we love that. He's been shooting out of his mind, scoring some big numbers, getting to the line a ton. Uh, look, his minutes aren't going to go up with Blake and Reggie out. He's going to still be at that high 20s, but there's still plenty of value in Derek Rose at 5,400. Langston Galloway, not keen on it. Malcolm Brogdon, just killing it. He's at 6,900. Giggity. I think we have to look at him as, as a pretty strong option as well, who's had double-digit assists in both his games. Well, Timothy John McConnell seems to have jumped ahead of Aaron Holiday in the rotation. I, look, it's almost minimum price, so there's something there, but nothing too exciting. Maybe if Lamb is out, we could look at McConnell as a 20-point type of performer. The Duck, Luke Kennard's at 5,000. I like the cash value. I like tournament upside. He, he's pretty strong there. While Lamb's at 5,600, probably pass on him given he's dealing with that injury. The Shark, Bruce Brown's at 3,200. Baby Shark, um, yeah, look, I think we'll uh, I think we'll pass there. Well, Edmund Sumner at 35 is an interesting GPP option if we do hear that Lamb has been ruled out. He started in his place and would have played more minutes if not for the foul trouble that limited him. Uh, small forwards here, we've got Tony Warren Jr. at 5,400. Um, yeah, look, he hasn't been on. I think he's an interesting differentiator as a tournament play if people are, are way off him because he can have a 40-point game pretty comfortably. But he has not been good to start this season. Dougie McDirt and TJ Leaf, they're never all that good. I love Andre Drummond here, 9,300 for Drummo. He's averaging over 50 points so far this season. That seems like a real value play. Miles Turner's at 64. A big game to start the season against Detroit. That was, uh, that was impressive where he had, I think, uh, 46 points there. Uh, that's a really strong price for Turner as well, so I like it. 76 for DeMontis Sabonis. I think I would rather take that Turner price at uh, $1,200 less than I would on DeMontis Sabonis, who struggled in Game 2, but like Turner, played well in Game 1. Markeith Morris will get another start with Blake Griffin out. He had 31 points last game. Hard to trust him doing that again. And Christian Wood and Thon McCare, the other guys who get some minutes. Very, very limited value in either of those players here in this uh, matchup. Let's move on now to the next game. We're looking at the Philadelphia 76ers taking on the Atlanta Hawks. No spread at this point because Joel Embiid is questionable. Bruno Fernando also questionable. While Alex Len is probable for the Hawks at point guard. Trey Young has been on fire. He is up to 9,000, but he's averaging 64 points in his first two games. 9,000 is not a high price for Trey Young. He's got usage through the roof. He's getting plenty of assists now. This Sixers defense is obviously really good, but if Embiid is out... That helps Young because he gets to the rim a little bit more easier without Embiid there. I really do like Trey at that salary. Benny Simmons is at 8,800, a consistent 40-point guy. Strong cash floor. Not sure about the tournament upside, but still good there. Well, Joshie Richardson at 53. He's been about that mark in the Sixers' early games this season. Not sure if there's enough upside in him, but for cash, I feel pretty good about him getting those minutes. Listed as a point guard as well. Evan Turner, no thank you. At shooting guard, DeAndre Bembry's at 38. I actually don't mind him for cash. He can get you about that 20-point mark. Upside is probably limited, but he is one of those players who can come out and get four steals and two blocks and come out of nowhere for a 35-pointer in 20 minutes. Probably yeah, probably not the ideal guy that you want, but there is something there. Fan of pants, Kevin Herter and Cam Reddish, who have been taking those shooting guard minutes. Herter has looked better than Reddish, obviously. He's still coming back from the knee injury, so I'm not keen on looking at either of those guys. While the painter, Matisse Thibel, at 34, he started last game with Embiid out. So if Joel is missing again, you could perhaps expect him to be into that uh, role, but more of a, a GPP upside player. At small forward, DeAndre Hunter's at 46. Jabari Parker's at 45. I'm not interested in either of those guys. While Toby Harris at 65 has been great for the first two games for the Sixers, and that salary is fairly low, so I'm into him. For the big men, Lens at 5,000. That's a fade. Joel Embiid's at 91. Uh, given he's dealing with an ankle injury and may not play and then might be limited, I'm I not, not keen on that. While Al Horford at 62, if Embiid is out and you hear that news, then I think Horford at 6,200 is a pretty strong play in this situation against a Hawks team, which really does lack defensively. Let's go on to the next game now. We are looking at the Orlando Magic and the Toronto Raptors. The Raptors are four and a half point favorites and the total is 212.5. So a low total here. Paddy McCaw is questionable. He's not going to have too much of an impact anyway. Uh, point guard Kyle Lowry is at 7,300, playing a lot of minutes and putting up some good production. Now, the Magic have got a really strong defense, but I think that Lowry should be able to get to that number while Fred Van Vliet at 6,300. There is something still there in Van Vliet as well. He's been a little bit inconsistent, but at 6,300, I feel okay about using him. Markel Fultz at 4,400, not quite enough minutes to justify that, but he's also impacting DJ Augustin, so both of those guys will be out of my lineups. At shooting guard, Fournier is at 5,000. He had 31 points against the Hawks last game. 
31 DraftKings points. Looked pretty good. He's, he's looked much better this season so far than what he did last year. Uh, at 5,000, I do think there is a strong cash floor there for Fournier. Terry Ross is really struggling, and the Chief Al Farouk Aminu is taking a lot of his minutes. While Storm and Norman Powell's at 46, again, really just a GPP upside guy. But if I'm deciding between Ross and Powell, it will be Terry Ross that I take. At small forward, Johnny Isaac hasn't really got it going offensively. At 5,300, he's more of a GPP guy, but not super interested there, nor, or, nor am I with the Chief Al Farouk Aminu. Sometimes it may be good, sometimes it may be shit. And Aaron Gordon's really struggled to begin this season. And against the Toronto Raptors, I don't think that's the team I want to rely on him. The Jedi, OG Ananobi, 4,900. He's putting up strong numbers. He's blocking shots. At that price, I don't dislike it. I don't love it. But I do think there is some utility in Ananobi at that sort of salary. Hello there. And then for the big men, Nikola Vucevic at 8,200. He has averaged 54 points against the Raptors the last three times out. He's sort of been okay so far this season. I think he's a 40-point-plus guy here, so I think he's got value. Hard to trust anything with Marcus Sol. And Serge Ibaka's had some strong games. He's averaging 27 so far this season, but at 5,500, I'm just not convinced of the upside. Pascal Siakam is at 8,700. Last game, only 33 points for Pascal. 8700 is a pretty strong price. I could see using that. I would probably prefer Vucevic at 8200 versus Pascal at 87, but there's no wrong answer in all. It's not a wrong option to go with Siakam, who is the unquestioned number one guy on the Raptors team. Next up, we go to the Golden State Warriors and the New Orleans Pelicans. The Warriors got their asses kicked by the Thunder today. No spread out at this point. Drew Holiday, he is questionable. Alec Burks is questionable. It looks like Burks is going to be back pretty soon. Alan Smilagic. For the Warriors, also questionable, but not a guy that needs to be paid too much attention to. At point guard, Lonzo's at 6,300. He had 45 last game. If Drew is out, I really like Lonzo here. And this defense from the Warriors is atrocious. So Lonzo should be able to get past that number pretty comfortably. D'Angelo Russell at 77. Only 10 points today. Ejected, but horrible. I think his uh, roster percentage will be really low. So you could look at him as a GPP pivot type of guy, but it's not great. Well, Drew Holiday at 8,600, a poor start to the season and a knee sprain. Count me out on using Drew Holiday here. Steph's at 9,500. Hasn't really got to that level yet. It's on a back-to-back. If the Warriors are getting killed again, I can see his minutes coming down. He's quite a risky option here. Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Frank Jackson, I'm not uh, not interested in either of those guys. Alec Burksy burks at 3,300. He could be a guy. That's a low price, but I'm not willing to go there at this point. JJ Redick, not uh, not keen on him. While the little dog, Glenn Robinson's at 34 for a reason. Josh the Hitman Hart at 4,800. Really strong start to the season. If Drew is out, he becomes a must-play guy, in my opinion. You can still use him without Holiday, but without, without Drew, he really vaults up that ladder. At small forward, you've got Brandon Ingram at 7,500. Absolutely destroying at the moment. Ingram, really like him here and should be able to take advantage of this Warriors team who doesn't really have anybody who's going to be in, in line to slow him down. While Eric Pascal at 3,200. I think at that price, you can ex- you can maybe get a 20 out of Pascal who has shown some flashes to be an NBA rotation player. For the big men, Marquise Chris is at 3,200. He's not good, but he does put up fantasy stats. Terrible today, still 26 points. So you, I think you have to like him at that salary, especially with Looney out. Derek Favors at 54. Hard to trust him at this point, although the matchup does suit him. Draymond Green at 7,100. I'm not keen on that. While the Wizard, at, uh, Amari Spellman's at 3,100. I would probably take Chris over Spellman, but both of those guys could be used in GPP lineups. And I think Chris might... Well, it's hard to say which one of those guys is going to be more favored, um, but I'd create lineups with both of them in at that really, really low price point. Nicola Melli at 3,600. His minutes have been a little bit uh, unpredictable so far for the Pelicans. Next game on the slate we look at is the Cleveland Cavaliers and the Milwaukee Bucks. The Bucks are favored by 15. That is huge. The Cavs have actually been relatively competitive. The total is a nice Richie Benno. Two for two, two, two. 222 points here for this uh, for this team. Um, we know that Johnny Henson, the Muppet, is out with a hamstring injury for two to four weeks, probably closer to a month. So that's going to really open up some minutes for Larry Nance to play at backup center. At point guard, Eric Bledsoe, the salary is coming down because he's been poor. Foul trouble has limited him in two straight games, but all the way down to 6,000. I like this matchup for Bledsoe. I love him as a tournament guy here because many people will be off him. Darius Garland's at 5,000. The minutes are there. The production hasn't quite been there, but I think we can see one coming from him at some point. Against the Bucks. it's probably not likely, though. Georgie Hill at 3,300. Well, yeah, maybe, but I don't see much upside in Hill at that salary, while the Padawan Colin Sexton's at 5,400. Doesn't do anything apart from score. I think his cash value in floor is okay. 
His tournament upside play, not really there. Shooting guards, Chrissy Middleton, 72. It's a hefty price to pay for Middleton, who... Even in his best games, he had 38 in 37 minutes last time out. Like, that's okay, but I'm not super into it. Kevin Porter at 3,000. Oh, I'm definitely not all that keen there. Wesley Matthews, Paddy Connaughton. I think they're all fades. Yanni is at 10-6. Love that. That is an absolute cash smash. I love it in uh, GPPs as well. Uh, and Kumpo is averaging 71 so far on DraftKings, so that is an absolute no-brainer of a price. Chetty Osmond's at 48. More of a uh, GPP guy. And for the big man, Tristan Thompson, really killing it. 6,300. Now, how he fares against Brook Lopez could be a challenge, but at 6,300, I do like him. Larry Nance at 5,000 is a GPP guy. And Kevin Love, back to the old Kevin Love. 56 points last time against the Pacers for Lovey. Again, a little bit different against this Milwaukee team, but at 8,400, I do think that Love has GPP upside. Brook Lopez all the way down to 5,200. I'd be all about Brook Lopez at that salary. I think there's great value in him, especially with that salary reduction that he has just copped. The next game that we take a look at, the Oklahoma City Thunder and the Houston Rockets. Westbrook against the Thunder. Chris Paul against the Rockets. So many revenge game narratives. How are you going to keep track of them all? At point guard, Jimmy Harden's at 10,100. He hasn't been shooting well, and he's still giving us 46 a night. I love him here. Westbrook at 9,400, killing that value. Both of these guys are strong cash guys and strong tournament plays. Schroeder's at 5,000, who put up a good game today against the Warriors at 48 points in that 25 minutes. Hard to see him doing that against the, the Rockets. I think he's a fade. Well, Shea Gilgis-Alexander, $7,000, exceeding that pretty consistently. I do like Shea here, of course. Guys like Westbrook and Harden, I'd have ahead of him, but Shea's been putting up some big numbers. Chris Paul, hard to get too excited with how his usage uh, has looked so far at 7,400. So I think we'll, uh, he'd be an interesting GPP guy, but that's really about it. At shooting guard, Eric Gordon's at 47. I've got no no interest there. MC Hamadou Diallo or Terry Ferguson, similarly. And then we look at the small forwards. Danny House is at 38. House is actually giving us about 20 a night. Not a bad cash play to get your Giannis and your Hardens and your Westbrook type players in. So House works there. The Italian cock, Danilo Gallinari, 6,700. Um, I think we can probably find better options than Gallinari at that salary. Well, PJ Tucker, really strong start to the season, unlikely to continue, so I'm not willing to bank on that sort of scoring continuing from PJ. For the big men, Clint Capella's at 7,400. He has done well against Steven Adams in the past, averaging 43. Of course, Westbrook stealing those rebounds is going to be happening to Capella instead of Adams now. So I think at 74, we can probably find a better center option. And while Adams is at 6,400, he just hasn't even got to 30 points yet this season. So I reckon we go a different direction from center than anyone in this matchup. The next game up for us on the slate here, the Portland Trail Blazers and the Spurs. Of course, the Blazers on a back-to-back after that victory against the Mavericks. The Spurs are five-and-a-half-point favorites. The total is 221. Zach Collins has been ruled out with that dislocated shoulder already. For the Blazers, um, Pau Gasol, he's dealing with an Achilles. I don't think he's going to play either. Maximum Derek White. Maximum Derek. He comes in at 4,300. It's really hard to get excited about what he's doing. On the flip side, Bryn Forbes at 41. I love that price for Forbesy. That is a really strong option to me. Well, DeJounte Murray is putting up some of the best per minute production we've seen in a while. 6,100. This bloke is averaging 43 points, DraftKings points, in 23 minutes. It is amazing. He's all the way up to 6,100, though. You feel like that level of per minute production might struggle to continue. Uh, so I probably would fade off him, but it is really hard with what he's been doing. He's been fantastic. Anthony Simon's not keen, while Damian Lillard at 8,900, an absolute rock-solid cash play if you don't want to spend up to that 10,000 for James Harden. McCollum's at 63. Hadn't quite been to that level before today where he dropped 52. I think he's more of a tournament guy than anything, but on a back-to-back, I'd lean towards fading him, while Baysmore at 3,800. Could get some extra minutes if they push Hood to the four, so he is in the GPP mix for me. DeRozan's at 7,500. Limited upside, I believe, but not a bad cash floor, while Hood's at 38 only only tournaments. You don't want anything more than that with uh, with Rocket. Mario Hezonia at 3,300. It's me, Mario. Uh, a real big opportunity for Hazonia appearing here with the injury to Collins. I think we have to look at him as maybe not a cash guy, but pretty bloody close, but definitely a tournament option. If he gives you 25 points here, which is quite easy. He had uh, 21 t- today in 25 minutes. There's a ton of value in that for Hazonia. If he gets 21 points, that's over 6x value right there. So I think there's a chance that he goes above that. Rudy Gay, Anthony Tolliver, not that keen on those blokes. At power forward, Trey Lyles is starting, but doing nothing. LaMarcus Aldridge at 78, Rock-solid 40-point guy. You love it for cash. Not sure how far he can elevate that, but there's still something there with him. 
Pirtle, no thank you. While Hassan Whiteside at 7,600. He has killed the Spurs. 52-point average the last three times in only 28 minutes as a member of the Miami Heat. I think we can look at him as a guy that might be a little bit underrated uh, in terms of or under-rostered under in terms of this uh, DFS slate, but there is something there to see with Hassan Whiteside, in my opinion. Let's move on now to the uh, to the next game we're looking at. We've got the, uh, who have we got here? The Utah Jazz and the Phoenix Suns. The Jazz are favored by four and a half points and the total is 217.5. All right, the, the Jazz got back on track a little bit last game um, with Mike Conley, especially, who'd, be, who'd really been struggling. Uh, actually, we'll talk about injuries here. Boyan Bogdanovich, was, uh, he, he returned over the weekend, so he's fine. Ravishing Rick Rubio is probable for the Suns after missing last game with a knee injury, and DeAndre Ayton, of course, is still suspended. So at the point guard spot, uh, Donovan Mitchell's at 7,800. A little bit quiet last game in that really big win over the Kings. 25 points in 26 minutes, but given how the Suns have been playing, I think this one's going to be a bit more competitive. I like Mitchell. He's not my best point guard type on the board. You've got uh, Devin Booker at 8,500. I probably would lean Booker more over Mitchell here, even though I do have to spend the $600 more. Conley's at 7,100, a strong GPP guy who hasn't hit that level yet, but of course, if the shot falls, he'll smash it. While Ravishing Rick at 6,300 was killing it before his injury, averaging 30... um, 38 across his first two games, which would be great at 6,300. I think we have to look at him as more of a, a tournament player at this point. Shooting guard guys, McCall Bridges at 3,700, just obviously not a Monty Williams favorite at this point. Hard to use him. While Sharich is a small forward listed player for some reason, 4,800. Really good game last time out against the Clippers, 39 points. Without Aiton around, he might play some more center. I think there's some cash floor value in Sharich with a little bit of upside. So I don't dislike him here. Royce O'Neal's at 39, really not much of a DFS player. Joe Ingles is struggling somewhat, so I think we'll fade off on him. Boyan Bogdanovich, 5,400, uh, really good last game. Not going to have that level of production in every game, but he is a strong GPP guy always. While Kelly Oubre for cash, I think is really, really good. 6,100 for Oubre, I'm all about him. For the big men, Gobert has really been bad, averaging just 22 points so far. He's like 10% less on his field goal percentage. He's only blocked two shots in three games. All that stuff can come up. He's going to be under-rostered, I believe. I think there's a real opportunity for Gobert, who averages 46 against the Suns, and now he's going up against Baines and Kaminsky. There's a real chance for Gobert here at 8,000. I think he's an interesting GPP guy. Kaminsky's at 5,300. Like it for cash. Really strong value play for Frank. While Aaron Bainesy Baines is at 5,100. That's probably pushing a little bit high for Bainesy. Limited upside, but still, he's giving us 25 to 30 a night, which is not a bad spot at there. I just think the upside level is probably somewhat limited with Baines when we're talking about uh, cash game situations. All right, let's look at the next game. We've got the Denver Nuggets and the Sacramento Kings. Nuggets are favored by six on the road. The total is 218. Bogdan Bogdanovich is listed as probable. We've got Marvin Bagley out for the Kings. Uh, Harry Giles is also listed as questionable. So see whether he can get in and take some of those Bagley minutes. It won't be many if he plays anyway. At point guard, Darren Fox at 7,300. A very quiet start to the season for Fox. So his salary has dropped. I like him as a tournament play, but I'm not ready to go in with cash yet. Well, the Blue Arrow, Jamal Murray at 6,500. That's super cheap for Murray. So I do think there is value in him. Malik B. Beasley's at 3,200. Struggled in the first game. Really good in the second one where he had 26 points. Only a tournament guy. He is hard to rely upon. While Monty Morris and Corey Joseph aren't going to do it for me. At shooting guard, Budrick Hield's at 6,000. He had a whopping six points last game as the Kings starters got benched a few minutes into the second half. Um, Hield, it all is required. It's it's all to do with usage and shooting percentage because he's not doing too much else in those other categories. At 6,000, he's okay. I wouldn't say it's the best buy there, but there is something to see. Well, Gaz Harris at 47. Nice, Gary! The steals are nice. We just need some of the shots to go in. Only a tournament guy, I I think, is Gaza. Bogdan Bogdanovich, just not trusting how his level of playing time will go. Well, Farton Will Barton is the ultimate tournament guy. No reliability in cash at all. For the small forwards, the pencil Harrison Barnes. Barnsey. Uh, I just can't see how we can get excited about using him in any sort of DFS setting. And then on to the big men. You've got The Undertaker, Dwayne Dedman. Limited by fouls a little bit in the last game. Still only 18 points. If you're going to look at him, it has to be as a GPP player. Uh, he has done well against Jokic in the past, but Walton's mismanagement of him is concerning. While Jokic at 9,600, he is putting up big numbers. You have to love him now. I prefer those high-priced guys like Giannis and Harden and Westbrook 
over a Jokic, but he does come in as a relatively strong option. Jeremy Grant's at 42. Paul Millsap, Rashawn Holmes, not super interested in any of those guys in this matchup. And on to the last game of the day. It's the Charlotte Hornets on a back-to-back taking on the Clippers. They've got the LA back-to-back. The Clippers are favored by a massive 15.5, and and the total is 225.5. So that makes it quite risky to use any of these guys. Vegas expecting a huge blowout. We've got uh, Terry Rogier, who can't seem to stay out of foul trouble. 6,400 on a back-to-back against this Clippers team. It's hard to get too excited about Rogier. And you've got Devontae Graham at 4,800. The shooting cooled off somewhat. Uh, in, in that game against the Lakers, but still, he's providing good value, more of a GPP player. Um, Paddy Beverly and Lou Williams, I love Lou at 7,100 here. Beverly at 48, not sure there's enough upside in him at that spot. Landry Shamit as a shooting guard, I'd much rather take someone like Dwayne Bacon at 57 than Shamit. He just doesn't seem to have much of that point scoring ability. At small forward, Flaming Mo Harkless, great opener, has dropped off since then, while the fun guy, Kawhi Leonard. I'm a fun guy. <laughs> 9,200 for Kawhi. He had 62 points against the against the Suns. But if this is a blowout as expected, it's hard to see Kawhi playing a huge amount of minutes. And there are a lot more options at that high price point that I would prefer, like a Jokic, like a Westbrook, like a Harden, like an Antetokounmpo, those players that we've mentioned earlier. Uh, other small forward guys, Marvin Williams, Miles Bridges at 63, probably a little bit too high for Miles. And then for the big men, the table, Montrez Harrell, 6,400. We saw Carl Anthony Towns put up about 1,048 points against this Hornets team. 64 for Harrell, who should be able to get you 35 plus. I really like him here. Paddy Patterson, yeah, the upside's not really there. Cody Zeller suffered that injury yeah, to his face, cut face, returned to the game though. 5,800 is a lot to spend for Cody Zeller, but he's playing quite well. While Ivica Zubats at 4,200, I think we'll find better center options over on uh, in other games. All right, so now just uh, that's all of the, the game preview. Let's have a look from a FanDuel point of view where the value lies. I think the Undertaker at 4,100, Dwayne Dedman, comes in pretty strong. Hazonia at 36 looks okay there. Uh, Timmy Frazier at 35. The Duck at 4,900. Luke Kennard on FanDuel is good. Drummond at 10-3, I love. Garland at 46. PJ Washington at 6,000. Miles Bridges, a much better FanDuel guy than DraftKings, comes in at 52. Lou Williams at 7,000. Eric Bledsoe at 64. Uh, Jeremy Grant at 4,000 has more appeal on FanDuel than DraftKings, in my opinion. RJ Barrett, I like quite a bit for both formats on FanDuel, 6,700. Johnny Collins at 8,000. Jimmy Harden at 11,100. Both those guys pretty good. I think Darren Fox at 77, given some of the pricing of the other players, has value, as does Harrell at 72. And Marquise Chris at 3,800. Again, we hope you can stay out of foul trouble, foul trouble, because if he does, he'll smash through that number. So he's a pretty good option. And the tank, Frank Kaminsky. Oh, actually, we've got two tanks now, Thomas Bryant and Frank Kaminsky. This is Frank the tank, and the other one's the tank, Thomas Bryant. Got to get those uh, sorted. 5,200 for Kaminsky. I think he's worth looking at, as is the 6,600 for Fred Van Vliet. Guys, follow me on Twitter at LockedOnFantasyBasketball and on Instagram, sorry, on Twitter at RedRock underscore Beeble, on Instagram at LockedOnFantasyBasketball, and subscribe to this podcast, whether that's on YouTube, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, on Stitcher. On YouTube, leave me a comment below. Smash that thumbs up and tell your friends. And on iTunes or Apple Podcasts, go leave that five-star rating and review. Guys, we are done here. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. See ya.